Sh- shall we jump in? Yes. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, okay. Um, hang on, hang on a second. Hang on a second. Huh, I had something I was going to say at the beginning. I've totally forgotten what it was. Let's get ready to rumble! Hello and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema, the podcast that asks you that question. Netflix or cinema, where are you going to spend your money? Well, um, my name is Tosin. I am your host. I am based up in Coventry in the Midlands in England. And joining me as always on the Isle of Wight are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hello there. Okay, cool. Well, that was that was a bit of a delay. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that was that was a bit of a delay before we go short. But okay, cool. I think we got short. We shall sojourn. We shall see what happens. Um, yes. So you might be wondering, Netflix or cinema? You might be listening to this, and you might realize we're still in lockdown. Cinemas have not quite made it back yet. And what are we doing on this show? So we usually go to the cinema, watch a couple of things, stay at home, watch a couple of things, and say, where has the money been better been spent this week? But during this time, in this lockdown, in our lockdown shows, what we're doing is we're talking about viewing habits in the in the lockdown. We're reviewing a couple of things we've seen at home. Then we're bringing in, we're, we're parachuting in a film buff. We're parachuting in somebody who just loves cinema, and we're asking them a couple of questions. This time, we go for the first time. I think this is the first time we have gone international with mm. our film buff with our film but this is the first time we've gone to america to find a film buff <laughs> and so juan guillory shall be coming up later on it is it is it's quite uh i like a lot of stuff he had to say but first of all before we even get anywhere near that let's uh, go sean sharon how have you been doing how what have you been watching how's it been going well i've, I've seen a couple of things i've watched a couple of things um I watched uh, so because the football's been a little bit sporadic, and I'm a little bit disheartened because I think my, you know, barring a miracle, I'm resigned to going down. So I managed to catch a couple of things. Sean, I managed to watch Sean a, is a Sean is a 20- Bournemouth fan. For anybody who's wondering that what that's all about, Sean's <laughs> Sean's a Bournemouth lad, and he's also he's a fan of the football team Bournemouth, and it looks it's looking precarious yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, my um, my landlord, roommate, whatever you want to call him, he's got um, uh, the he got a, a Apple thing, Apple. I don't know, is it Apple Play? Apple, Apple TV. Like yeah. yeah, Apple TV. Yeah, and so we watched um, Greyhound, Tom Hanks film. Oh, oh yeah. And, yeah, 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 yeah. Which, I'll which, the press I mean, for that. I didn't realize this. Yes, and and the other thing I watched was a horror anthology film from 2017 called XX or Double X. What, 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 um. I was intrigued by it because it said it was like an anthology of female directors. So, all right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, so, oh, yeah. Okay, I get uh, the XX now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, guess it's the um, like XYXX. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So, all right, uh, uh, Sharon. How about you? What do you see? I haven't seen anything. <laughs> cool. I like I like the way we saw sort of like switch. This is why we have three of us because one of us can go. I'm not bothering anything, and the other ones will pick up the slack. <laughs> Last week, I think Sharon was the only one who'd actually finished something to its completion. Yeah. <laughs> and this yeah. week, nah, we switched. Oh, what's the big deal? No big deal. <laughs> yeah, I didn't intend not to watch anything, but it's one of those things. I sat down to watch a film as you do, and yeah. I probably spent more time scrolling through all the different menus looking for something to watch and then by the time i'd been doing that some time i just thought i'm running out of time now to watch this <laughs> so i think so I much, go, there? there's a lot of them are like the new seasons have started on a lot of programs 
Yep. Or getting sent these notifications from Netflix in particular saying, we've just uploaded this film or this, and then you go to have a look and it's a series. So you think, I don't <laughs> want to spend eight hours watching it. So I, yeah, I have to say, I, I just watched a couple of episodes of the regular and then I haven't seen anything else. Well, I have to be—I have to be honest with you that it's that does happen, especially now we start doing the podcast. There's some times when I'm like, "Oh yeah," and the week goes by so quickly that all of a sudden yeah. I'm like, oh, "Hang on, we're recording in like two days. I haven't seen anything. I haven't finished watching anything." And you go, "Oh, that's a series I want to watch. Oh no, I don't have time for eight episodes. I need to find a film." <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. I don't want to watch that. Don't want to watch that. That looks rubbish. That looks rubbish. Ah, uh, forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look at something. I think it's good. I watch that, and then you realize it's like. 43 episodes and it's dubbed in right. Russian and you think okay yes. maybe I need to give that a bit more time <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah so sure so okay so that's the case Sean you've seen that I have finished I finished watching The Five Bloods which oh, will oh good yeah I was intrigued we, we will, by this we will get to we'll, we'll get come to, to that we'll come to that <laughs> we'll come to that later if you've been listening over the last couple of weeks the five bloods has become a little bit of a saga piece <laughs> um uh yeah but we'll come to that and i have and there was a time i was seriously considering starting a blog called late to the party which was about all these things that people would rave about and I would never actually get around to watching it until everybody had stopped raving about it and it was like five years past and I'll watch it and I'll be like, oh yeah, okay, now I see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and I, I was thinking of doing that for Game of Thrones at one point, but I eventually caught up with that. Uh, but this is, but I have finally, finally, after all the raving, after everything that people have said about it, I have finally seen season one of Killing Eve. Uh, okay. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So finally, finally finished watching that. So, Sean, let's do a, let's do a back and forth thing. So, how about we kick off with your Apple TV Plus thing? Because XX was that also on on uh, Apple TV? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was, that was oh. on there as well. Okay. Yeah. So, Sean, you've gone into you've gone into an Apple TV world for us this week. I, so, yeah, I haven't, I haven't. Um, as I say, I haven't got it. It was just that he had it. So, yeah. So I just, I mean, I the couple couple of nights I've actually first time we really sat down and he said, "Do you want to watch it?" A movie, and I said, "Yeah, that'd be cool." Because so, so yeah, so that was it, really. And I thought, and I was thinking, I, I mean, originally, like you say, the week just goes by fast. But yeah. watch this double X thing, XX, and um, it was just like, oh, this is so cool. Because I didn't think I suddenly thought I've got something for the, got something for the podcast. I've got yep. something for the podcast, and I thought, oh, that's a good idea. But watch something else for the podcast. And I saw this Greyhound, and I just thought, I, I'd, I'd heard about it. I've not, not, you know, read about it and all that sort of stuff. And I yeah. thought, oh. I wouldn't mind that because with Tom Hanks, generally they're they're pretty good stuff, aren't they? Pretty good. Yeah, they're pretty, pretty solid, movies, yeah. Really. Yeah. So, so yeah, and this being a, you know, I like my war movies as well. So, yeah, that, I think that, that, that could would, be a, would enjoy this. That, that could be a double-edged sword. <laughs> uh, a war movie with you, Sean. It could either go, it could either go really, really good or really, really bad, as we found out three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Well, that 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 the the Five Bloods I didn't think was really a war movie, was it? But there you go. Anyway, yeah. this film Greyhound um, is based on a book called, which I didn't realise, called The Good Shepherd, which is basically in the Second World War you had the Atlantic convoys coming from America, and um, so what would happen is is they they would have air cover to cover themselves from submarines for a little while, but there would be I forget what they called it. They actually called it something like the the void. The void they might have called it the void or something like that. Where the air cover, they couldn't get the air cover, so they had to keep going yep. until they could get air cover from like like England, you know, before they could get 
So you had this whole whole convoy, and it was protected by four destroyers. Um, and the, the lead ship was obviously captained by Tom Hanks. It's called it's called the Greyhound, and yep. um, he's, he's, this is like his first uh, first mission, really. So, and yeah, I mean, the, there's a lot of action, and there's a lot of action, a lot of uh, quite tense moments. Um, yep. And well, what's what's quite nice about it? <laughs> I know this sounds you're probably like this. What's quite nice about it is there's not a lot in the way of. Uh, romance or anything like that there's just a bit at the beginning where he sort of meets someone before he goes and he says oh you know i'll be thinking of you around the corner all the time and all that and then that and so and then it just gets in and it's just pretty much action all the way through so um, so you're, you're saying that there's no there's nobody sitting down there holding up like you know open up in a pocket watch and saying oh yeah showing it to other people going that's my girl back home and you know that's it yeah, he's gonna just, die he's dead <laughs> <laughs> that's it there's not there's not much of that um one thing i will say that i did find with this was it was a little bit samey so mm-hmm. i mean although there was a lot of action going on with submarines and stuff you know and and things and they're, they're laying down the depth charges and uh you know all fire a pattern and got like the submarine send out decoys and that so he's made a bit of a mistake so he, he's used up rather a lot of his, his ordnance so and you you've got this this thing with this U-back commander saying Greyhound we're gonna you know you're not gonna survive the night blah 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 all this sort of thing so yeah, yeah it's a lot of to in and throw in there's a lot of so, so a real lot of action and if you're into I mean I thought to start with when I first saw it I thought that because obviously it's probably CGI or the boats and things I thought I'm not sure if I'm gonna not sure if I'm gonna enjoy this because it might detract but as I got into it it wasn't so bad and it was you know it's like those They've digitized like they did Peter Cushing in the um in the Oh yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In Rogue yeah, One. You, you know, when when they did that after a while you sort of get used to it. When you see yeah. it, it's not quite as like, whoa, whoa, look at that, what's happened to him? You know. <laughs> he's like, super he's like, whoa <laughs> There you go. So yeah, so but no, it's a really, really, really good action film and Tom Cruise is uh Hanks. Hanks. I think I think Tom Hanks, sorry, yeah, Tom Hanks, sorry, <laughs> excuse me. Um how can you confuse the two? Uh, but t- Tom, Tom, Tom Hanks, yeah, is um, he's he's his general. You know, he's the stalwart, isn't he? Really, he's like yeah, yeah, regular regular actor that you just sort of holds a film, um, plays a good part. It's not like outstanding or anything like that. Um, yeah. Do you know what he reminds me of, Sharon? He reminds me a bit of of Kenneth Moore. I don't know why. Not not yes, his looks or in, anything like that. No, but that's as, all as reliable. A, character actor yeah, good old, well he's become this mm. reliable character actor hasn't he now yeah it's, has, something, yes, yes. it's something I've got to be honest with you that I've, I've gotten a bit worried about with Tom Hanks I've gotten a bit worried that he essentially that he's become reliable at it and possibly moving a little bit towards bland towards, towards yeah, a little, yeah 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 to possibly yeah. Moving you know towards, he's going to be an upright morally correct blah, morally blah, blah, correct yeah. every man Oh yeah, this is the best thing that this is the best thing about America, and therefore by extension yeah. humanity. It's like you. Yeah. It, it's something I've, I've gotten a bit worried about Tom Hanks that because I've seen some of the trailers for Greyhound, and I've sort of seen it like um, the, there's a bit where they go, Captain, what are we gonna do? And he goes, Give him hell, and he sort of walks out. And the way he does it, uh, the way he does it, I'm kind of like, uh, that just seems like. He seems too ground par for Cliche. that role. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like you want someone. You- 
it's it's like you could imagine like if there was a Lee Marvin playing that kind of character or something like that, and he would growl that. I would. It's, That's a so, bit of edge, yeah. Yeah, there's a bit of edge, and to to me, it just seemed like it's a bit it's a bit samey. It's a bit it's a bit to Maxi. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I think he's more of a the Glenn. He's moved into shoes of like a Glenn Ford type of actor, hasn't he? Where yes. you know that they're solid, good, yeah. upright. Yeah, I know it's about the Atlantic convoys with a, an American ship, but do you see any of the other ships? Or is it just the Greyhound because that's the lead ship? No, it no, it was all. Them? It was just. I mean, because because the British ships actually take over, they've got to go. And um, although he's leading the convoy, he's in charge of the convoy. The other destroyers are British, Brit. So it's oh, just like they just. So yeah, so so the rest because you ne- you, you never really see them till the end, but there's on the comment. And he, I think one's called the Eagle, and the Eagle, Eagle, you need to cover the yeah. back of the convoy and blah blah blah. And they but and then obviously there's once they get a bit more, and the other says, "Okay, well, well done, thank you very much." You know, and, oh that's right, there's <laughs> there's one bit one bit where the submarine's destroyed and the, the, the boat to us and says, "Oh, the only thing that that we need now is the uh, captain's trousers or pants." He says, "Captain's pants." Yeah. So. You need to get, you know, right. for, for proof. Just a joke, like a jokey thing. So, yeah, yeah, so it is very much... I mean, it's very much... And when you get the distress flares and all that, it's very much like a... It's, I guess you call it a mixed convoy. I guess it's, I guess the convoy yeah. itself is probably a mix of American, they you know, they supply ships that come over. And I think there's some fruit oh. transports as well because they get, like, know, big cheers and stuff. And, I know yeah. I say this with practically every single war film, but it's just because of the way my dem- the demographic of my family worked out. But one of my uncles was in the Merchant Navy because he was too young to join the Royal Navy. So he was signed right. up at 16 in 1939, and he was on the North Atlantic convoys, and he got torpedoed twice. But he survived the oh. war, and he went there to become a... He sold, used to sail the ferries across the River Severn yeah. before they had the bridge. So I was interested in this because often with most theatres of war... I can say, oh, I had an uncle in that. And so I've had an interest in this. So I, I had an uncle in the North Atlantic. So I, I've been interested. I've always I've read a little bit about them just so I can say, you know, this is what Uncle yeah. Jack went through. So did I'll you enjoy the, to see did, a bit more. So, yeah, so did, you, did you enjoy The Cruel Sea? Because there's, you know, in The Cruel Sea, the Jack Hawkins film, yes. there, is a, yeah, yeah. there is a piece, there is a piece where, which I thought, They've taken that straight out of um, the cruel sea. Is where there's some some sailors that are in the water. You know, some from the yes. merchant ship, yeah. ship that's been sunk, and it's like, you know, the, all the crew sort of looking at him. To what do we do? I won't tell you whether whether they saved them or whether they didn't. But you know, there's sort of other a lot of other oh, stuff going on. Yeah, because yeah, that's, okay. that's, that's, I think so, there's the some of the take. unsung heroes of that. Well, there's some of the unsung. No, they get more recognition now, but for a long time, the Merchant Navy fleet didn't yeah. get much recognition at all, really. Uh, no, all right, so, 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 Sean, how many stars? Um, I give it a. I'll be like because you know, good solid stalwart performance. I give it a three star. So it's 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 quite watchable. It's not like outstanding. It's um pretty much like Tom Hanks, really. You know, reliable. <laughs> steady and but worth a watch it's okay you know, you know for, for it's quite a short film as well i think i think it's only like about an hour and a half so yeah so 90, it's not too long. 91 minutes oh, yeah. so, those are the that? days <laughs> <laughs> yeah you see that, that this this is the thing there's a bit of me that just thinks like you know oh man what i wouldn't give for 
you know, an amazing Tom Hanks performance in an amazing film. I don't think we've had that for ages. We've just had solid, solid, solid. Yeah. So if it, before this film was released, I was like, this is going to be a three out of five. In my head, I was thinking, this is, this is a three out of five all day. Although, for, for, this is one of these films that has really been affected. Like, it's, the reason it's on Apple Plus is because of COVID. It was originally supposed to be released yeah. in cinemas. But... Um, but uh, because they kept putting it back and putting it back and they didn't know when it was going to release, then Apple sort of walked up and acquired it. And Apple have really promoted it as, oh, look, an Apple original. When, um, With they Tom ne- Hanks. <laughs> well, he, he wrote the screenplay as well. It was written by Tom Hanks as well. Uh, because he's, he's like a well-known World War II buff. Like the two things yeah. that we know about him is that World War II buff, you look at the things he's done from Band of Brothers to the Pacific to Saving Private Ryan to like he's 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 world war ii buff and space buff like those are the two things that you know you know tom hanks from and weirdly enough typewriters how old how old is tom hanks how old is tom hanks that'd be interesting i don't know i just wonder how old he is i i would reckon 67 let's see i was gonna say in his i always put him in his 60s too just purely because it's like me and sharon like war and you know war and space well you know war and space yeah, that's what we grew up on. I'm not, yeah, exactly. 64. 64, right, okay. Yeah. Tom Hanks oh, well, is... There you go, Tom, see? Yeah. yeah, Tom Hanks is 64. I think that's it. I, I, I think, like, we're talking about generational things, you know. It's like, like uh, I've come to this round and round again. Is that It's what you sort of... Was your influences when you were young, what you watched, what you, what you did. You, when you, you were young, relatives. yeah. Yeah, it's like, like all the relatives that probably are past now, you know, they was all in the war, and it was still in... Still in memory, wasn't it, in like the sixties and seventies, you know? Oh yeah. And all the glory, all the glory comics like Victor and you know, which would be yeah. so probably politically incorrect these days, you know, well, if you saw like, some of them because Commando. We got a lot like, of commando in Nigeria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the commando comics. You yeah. know, Japanese are always good. Japanese always portrayed the same, aren't they? Yeah. Anyway, let's not let us move on. Let's move on. Okay, yeah, sorry about that. Let's move on. Both be, yeah, let's just move on. (laughs) Anyway, and also because of time. Right, so on to me. I have seen Killing Eve season one. Now, Killing Eve, you might have heard about this. It was raved about a couple of years ago when the first season came out. And it was all, when it was raved about, everybody was talking about, oh my God, this is amazing. This is great. It was written by Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who was known for Fleabag at that time, award-winning, and it went and swept all the awards, starring Sandra Oh and um, Jodie Comer. And it's all about the battle of wills to, to or pretty much, it's kind of like, uh, if there was anything I could compare it to, you know, a little bit like um, Heat with Al Pacino and Robert De Niro. And you have this whole sort of battle of wills where mm-hmm. one of them is being chased, one of them is trying to be caught. And it is between Sandra Oh, who is like this sort of MI5 analyst in London, based in London. So doesn't really do anything, doesn't know how to shoot a gun, but sits in an office and just sort of like analyzes like what's going on across. And uh, Jodie Comer plays a character called Villanelle. And she is a, oh, well, she is a Russian assassin. And there's all these killings that have happened across, high, high profile killings that have happened across Europe. And they're like, what is going on? Who is doing all this? And there seems to be no pattern. But she figures out that she says, she's like, I think that there's a woman. There's a woman assassin that we do not know about that is going around com- doing all these things. And she, so she, she gets dropped, drawn into it. And she, the, and I think one of the things about Killing Eve, a lot of stuff has been said about it and all that. But I think 
it's a show that knows very much what kind of genre it's in, which is, oh, you know, the spy movie genre. Like, you know, you, you look at it and you immediately go, oh, yeah, it's going to be like a heat thing. It's going to be a good guy, bad guy chasing each other. And they're kind of like mirrors of each other, blah, 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 blah. But it is, I think almost every character, it's it's knows what, what genre it is. And it decides to just sort of like subvert almost everything about that genre. So it has the basic thing of, okay, you have one person chasing the other person. But then every character in this show zigs when you expect them to zag. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it knows yes yes we've set it up we know that this is what you've been expecting now and no we're going to do that instead and it becomes this really really weird thing where from the one of the first times you meet um because the eve of the title is the sandra o character so when they say killing eve eve is actually the mi5 agent who is trying to track down this russian assassin and the there's one of these things where they they show one of the kills of like the the um this the assassin and they say kill this person in broad daylight in the street nobody even he didn't even realize that he'd been attacked until he'd already walked in like another 10 meters and then he dropped down bleeding and everybody's like oh my and it was one of these things we have two characters and one of them goes oh my god that's terrible and she goes oh that's so cool at the same so like at the same time and it tells her that she has like a files and she has folders where she has just been looking at like you know assassins and they ask her why why does she look at it she's like i just find them interesting so you know from the word go that you you know from the word go that eve is not your typical law enforcement officer that there's something a bit a bit unique about her and that it becomes this whole thing where she becomes fascinated with villanelle and then villanelle becomes fascinated with her and it's and you just you're watching it and there's eight episodes and all the way through you're watching it going I, i'm not entirely sure what's going to happen i'm I'll, I, okay this the, they have this you have this bits where you know you have a confrontation and it's it's no that will be a bit of a spoiler i'm not gonna say that <laughs> so, but you have all these things happen and it's eight episodes and you know how sometimes you feel uh, a season of a of a tv show finishes and you feel you can feel them setting up season two you can feel them setting up season two and you can feel like they're just trying to keep you interested long enough to come back next so they can sell you more stuff pretty much. But with Killing Eve, the, when the first season finishes, it really does feel like the first chapter of a book. And it feels like it ends in a, in a quite organic place and you, it leaves you going, okay, I actually want to know what happens next. And sure, uh, sure enough, I'm, I'm coming to this later, uh, later the party, as I said. There's already been three seasons. Season one finished. And you know when it goes on to the, exact, the next episode, it was about to start playing the next episode. And I was like, okay. I was like, oh, the next episode is, ep- is season two, episode one. Oh, that, ooh, ooh, that's interesting. The way they just, I was like, that really, really just did feel like the first chapter of a book. And you want to see where else it goes. So I'm happy to report that the hype around Killing Eve was justified. Plus, I mean, a lot of it is because you have two women being the leads in this thing, and you don't really get to see that. And it does have, oh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say like, oh, oh, it brings a female aspect to it because, to be honest, I don't know what that is. But I'll say that it's definitely a different voice. It's definitely a different voice that you have. Like all the characters that you have, okay, that's supposed to be a damsel in distress. That doesn't happen. That's supposed to be a, a screamy, a screamy kid that's scared about getting killed. That doesn't happen. Pretty much, as I said, every single character in this thing does something different to what you are, what you've grown accustomed to seeing in things about spies and assassins and all that. Loved the first season. Would give it a four out of five, and oh, I would re- recommend everybody else go oh. see it. And I can't say much more also because after that I'll just start 
spoiling all over the place. <laughs> I'll just, just I'll spoil it all over the place. And even though it's been out for about, I think it must be three, three, four years now, I would still say that... Yeah, they're on to season three, aren't they? So it's, yeah. They finished season three. They finished season three now. So it's, and uh, I would say, yeah, go go check it out because it, it will bring in, and I think, Sharon, I think you will like it. Okay. I think I think you you will like it. The the characters are crazy, <laughs> but so okay. Well, so even that's my mum watched it. Even my mum watched it. So it must must be good. I think. Oh, so oh. Did, yeah, did she give you? Did she give you? A, did she give you a re, uh, review? No, she didn't really give a review. She just said, "Oh, it's, she said, oh, this is a good series. I've taped it for you to watch and all that." And I was going, "Oh, thanks, mum." But uh, loads yeah. of other things. She ta- she tapes all these. She got a, she's we're on Virgin and she's got one of those tea things or whatever. Yeah. And she, she just records it. She says, oh, I've recorded this thing that I thought you might like. And I'm like, oh, right, okay. And it's just like loads of things for, for when I go over, you know, which is yeah, really, yeah, really yeah. nice. But but it's, um, you know, some of the things are. But Killing Eve, a load of people have said it's good. So it might yeah. be worth it. Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on BBC iPlayer. It's on BBC iPlayer. Mm-hmm. So it's, I, think, I think it's definitely worth a look. Definitely worth a look. It, it, it's one of those things that sucks you in. And like three episodes in, you're like, ooh. Ooh, wasn't expecting that. Yeah. But anyway, let's move on. We've just spoken about something that was written by a woman, starring two women, and has been seen, uh, people seen as like, you know, some sort of almost feminist icons, because I think Villanelle, even though she is a ruthless killer, she has become a bit of a feminist icon. <laughs> because yeah, well, I know her clothes. Well, her <laughs> yeah. outfits are quite disgust, aren't they? People do huh? have whole YouTube videos about villain house clothes <laughs> yeah 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 her outfits are, are quite out there and 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 clothes play a part in in her thing there's a bit there's a whole there's whole sequences that are focused on clothes and i'll, I'll stop there <laughs> so let, let's go to something else that's that's female focused uh more of this we should need to see more of this as it's coming along so xx sean you saw this this was an apple plus XX. as well I, and he said it was the anthology of yeah. horror horror stories done by women. Yeah, but um, yeah, yeah, um, by female directors. Yeah, so there's okay, all yeah. female directors. Yeah, so it's basically this story. There's like four stories. Um, the first one's this weird thing: the the the, the, the box where um, uh, this this uh, it starts on a bus, and uh, uh, there's like a man with a box like that. Is w- weird looking man, and the is, is it is it a boys. bit like you know you know how they have the the Twilight Zone movie and in the Twilight Zone movie you yeah have it's these... it's very similar to that so yeah so basically he looks in the box and then something happens I won't I won't go in too much because I don't want to bore you too much but um mm-hmm. yeah so he looks on the bus and he goes yes of course you can look and his mum says don't be so rude don't be so rude and then he looks in and then after that he he doesn't eat he stop he's like starved himself and all that and he's got a sister and they're all saying things and then and then he, the mum comes in and she's talking to the sister on the bed and then they she stops eating anyway so that's the first one i won't tell yeah. you much more on that yeah so yeah because with horror movies you really don't want to know what happens. what the trigger is <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you, you don't, don't even know what it was uh, and the, the second is the second one sort of uh the second one's like a a, a birthday party thing that, that that goes all a bit a bit odd you know so Yep, and then there was this other one called. Um, what was it called? Anyway, it's one like where don't there's fall. Like there's don't fall. Don't fall. Uh, yeah, and that's like a sun. scary, uh, a scary monstery sort of, um, uh, you know, like chasey monster, girly, screamy sort of thing. You know. Oh, stand, the fi- final girl, fair. final girl type story. 
yeah 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 so you yeah. know being monstery type thing with like you know ah you know there's somebody there blah 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 all that sort of thing <laughs> they and then, and then I didn't they should keep falling over. Well, it's, yeah, yeah, you could say something on that. And then there's one which is uh, um, about like a like a bit of an occult thing. It's like this this mother's been shielding her her son um, from. Well, I won't say who from, but anyway. So, so yeah. So basically, it's four different stories directed by women, and uh, I have to say, I don't want do I? I say I'm like a misogynist if I say they weren't particularly any of them weren't particularly very good i didn't think i from a personal point but then you know with me and my horror stuff so probably well, well the, the thing I is I, think... I, I think i think quite frankly if you're reviewing this leave just you just need to forget about the fact that they're directed by women and say what okay. you actually thought about oh, the then. films themselves so, so not, okay so yeah i didn't really i mean the first one first story was like uh you know because well, it sort of went what 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 what's going on? and it was really really odd i will say there was what the probably none of the stories were particularly horrifying none of the stories were particularly chilling or thrilling or yep um and a lot of the stories finished like uh, what was that and there's no way you could you could think god that finished it but i will say the transitions between the 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 sections they had this weird totally weird weird um, animation which was like a like a house that like a living house with a doll you know like Alice in Wonderland which is in the house but but it was all like have you ever seen that film nine with the little creatures the little yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. creatures the, the sort of stop motion animation like, like film, that yeah. and all these all yeah. these weird bugs and like things happening and stuff like that so the actual transitions between the the stories were I thought wow that's really really clever really really good but as for the um there wasn't I I, I wouldn't know what order to put the stories in I'm trying to think of one that Perhaps sticks okay. in my head. Maybe. Okay, so, no, I don't know. No, so the I can't with, really say. The, the thing with you, Sean, is that we know that you have quite a high bar when it comes to horror movies. You have, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, you're pretty much the kind of person who the horror movie starts and you're sat, you're sat down there going, "So go ahead, scare me, impress me, do something." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say that you haven't seen a film that has probably scared you in probably the last fifteen years or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah. It, that's it. So, so with that, I always feel like uh, when, the, when you talk about a horror movie, I feel like it's it, it would have to be something totally mm. different. It would have to be something like you know, it's something say, special. Oh, I was it's... I was hoping I was hoping you know I was hoping for something here, and but it just didn't really. To me, none of the, none of the segments were were any good or, or intriguing. I thought oh, you know some of them were even like oh yeah, in that before you know there's nothing new. Nothing new at all there, especially the chasey were- werewolfy type one. You know, there's so, so yeah. So I can't really recommend this for people. I can't really give this a huge amount. So I mean, I, I don't know. This is a tough call. I'd probably give it, yeah, probably a two. You know, I mean, it could be between, but I'm probably going to give this a two, maybe two point okay. five, and um, because because I did like the transitions. All right, cool. Yeah, that's no problem. I think it's... Uh, but to be honest with you, when I hear horror movies now, I feel like horror movies have become just very, very formulaic. And it's it's yeah, about... Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, very very cliché. You know, you get all the same clichés and things. Yeah. You know. So, so like, you know, you, you have you have your... And even what you were saying there is, like, there's certain tropes or there's certain genres between horror movies. Like, you have your... 
your slasher movie and you have your monster chase movie and you have your atmospheric whatever movie like the Babadook and they're, they're these tropes and yeah and you and, and your demony yeah and your demony one you know yeah, so you've got, you've yeah. Got, I guess you've got all the tropes there like that you know you've got yeah. a chasey scare a shocker you've got a intriguing yeah. one you've got your you know evil one or you know like yeah so, 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 the so thing- yeah Time. The thing, the thing with me is that I always feel like you know it's when it comes to horror, horror movies especially. I feel like horror movies don't have anything. Well, I, when it comes to horror movies, I am never expecting them to be good. <laughs> I'm no. expecting them to be. No. I'm expecting them to be. It's a bit like the Tom Hanks thing. I was like, I'm expecting them to be okay, solid examples of their genre. And it's the same with like when I think about more black people getting to a chance to actually make films. I'm like, well, black people need to get the chance to make mediocre films as well. The same way white people get a chance to make mediocre films yeah. all over the shop. So even if it's the fact that it's sure. a black, even if it's the fact that a black person is getting a chance to make a mediocre film, I'm like, yeah, that's progress. So with this, even if it's women who are getting chances to make mediocre films, that is progress because beforehand they weren't even getting the chance. So <laughs> I know everything can be great. So okay, so uh, two out of five out of that. And now, now before we get onto our interview with Juwan Gallery. Oh, yeah. And now we come to the to the bone of contention. Uh, Sean and I are going to be like <laughs> Sean and I are going to be like two rotten balls. Every every now and then a film comes out that yeah. Every now and then a film comes out that puts us that puts us as loggerheads well, with each other. Sharon, you'll have to you'll have to meet you'll have to mediate. <laughs> Yes, yes. Every day, I mean, we we had a, we had a little bit of a mini one over the Invisible Man. <laughs> we had um, I don't know the the films like this where we just don't agree, and um, and I have to admit, after hearing what Sean said, and now I have finished watching the Five Bloods. I said last week that I seen about an hour of it, and so far I was really liking it. I didn't understand what Sean was saying, and it would have to go downhill a lot for me for it to, to for me to get to the same place that Sean was by the time the film finished. And it didn't happen, Sean. It didn't happen. <laughs> I got to the end of it, and I agree. Well, I, I didn't think it would. Yeah, and and I agree with a lot of the stuff you say. Like the one of the things about it is that it's a film. It's probably about three different films in one. There is uh, there is yeah. sort of like a, there's sort All of like over a, the place chaotic. There, there's there's kind of like there's there's a heist film in there. There is a well, there is a bit of a war film in there. There is an old men reflecting on their lives film in there. There is a um four friends go into the jungle by themselves what happened so a bit deliverancy <laughs> there is there's a there's a little bit there's there's a little bit of that in there so it, it's kind of like you know you know whenever you see a film and you have like these four men they go into the jungle by themselves and you 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 just you know you just go yeah um not all of them are coming out <laughs> that, that kind of thing and can, so can, can i ask you one thing Yes. So, just one thing, you know. What was that? Perhaps, perhaps I missed something because I wanted to. But they, you, you know, when it comes to that that burial in in the jungle, I, I mean, you know, that's like, well, you've gone over there for for a certain yes. over there to try and find someone. Why why are you going to leave someone? Yes, yes. And, and you see that was you, that see, was the, you see it's just yeah, like, no, no, it, it is that is and there there are some bits like that like the fact that the whole idea is that they're going to oh they're going to um to Vietnam. They these are four black Vietnam veterans. They're going back to Vietnam and they're going back there because 
they say they want to bring back the the body of the the leader who was out there because these were guys who they felt like they were out of place they were black people fighting in a war in another country and there's a big there's a real thing that's done about how you have oppressed people people who are being oppressed by America going over to go fight and kill other people who are being oppressed by America and there's a there's there's a whole bit of, a bit of that in there and then they go in there and then they it's like oh we've got to take his body back and one of them makes a big deal of the fact that um, we've got it. Um, they also want to go find some gold that they left there. But one of them makes a big deal of the fact that no, we want to go get. We I am not leaving without that guy. I'm not leaving without that guy. We've got to go find his body. I know we found the gold, but we've got to go find that guy. And um, he makes a big deal about that. As I said, when you have a story that starts off with four friends, four lifelong friends going to a jungle, you know, not all of them are coming back out. So some, <laughs> so some of them, so as you know, none of them are coming back out. There's a bit where I, I know what she would say because they go back to go pick somebody up, but then somebody else dies there and then they, they bury that person there. And that bit, that it, yeah, I yeah. would agree with I mean, I I would agree with that. But the thing is, it's with Spike Lee. Uh, we're going to run out some time in a second. This, this, this will continue after the break. <laughs> but with Spike Lee, the thing about him is, one of the things that he does in this film is that he, is, he never pretends like this film is anything other than a, a lesson or polemic or like he's trying to give you a lecture. He never pretends that this film is anything but, other than that. So it's... So it's Black Klansman was was so good black black clansman okay, black clansman okay. was class there's a lovely lovely film okay, but this okay, this okay no. you, okay yeah, yeah, sean this is my turn all right you've had your you've had your you've had your rant <laughs> oh, right. yeah, yeah 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 you've had your so it's the thing is oh okay you say that right okay i know i know you love black clansman i don't think i love black clansman as much as you do and uh with this one i think just for the for the the eye-opening thing about soldiers in vietnam and for that whole juxtaposition of the, because the film starts off and there's a bit where you have muhammad ali giving a quote saying why should i go over to vietnam when he was avoiding the draft he was like why should i go over to vietnam and kill people who have done nothing for me this is like you know an american war this is like you know a white person's war they're going over there to to oppress other people i've been oppressed and i love the hanoi hannah bits where you have like a lady who was on the radio and was speaking directly to black soldiers saying this is what your this is what your government is doing in america today this person got killed in this place today that thing happened today this neighborhood got burned down just because they were black why are you fighting for this country and i love those bits and there are loads of different films in there so as i was saying it it, it's like someone has given spike lee a chance to make a war movie and he's gone like you know what I'm Spike Lee. I'm not going to lose this chance. I can't just make a straight-up movie. And I, and I agree with you, Sean. Like, if you try and look at this film as a narrative piece of work, as in uh, inciting incident, second act, third act, end, then you will get really annoyed with it. But if you see this film a bit more like a performance piece, so it's a bit more like, you know, when you go to you go into a place and you, you have, like, you go into a stage show and you have this a performance piece where somebody's putting on all this stuff. And there's there's bits where almost as if this film is asking you to be aware of the fact that it is a film. That this is something that somebody has put together and he's trying to tell you something. 
And you're not convincing me. You're not convincing yeah, me, Tyus, at and, all. And is, and I do not expect. I do not expect to convince you, Sean. I do not expect to convince you at all. That is my my job here is not to convince you. It's my job is like this. I saw this film. This is what I thought, and it's and there is some of because obviously this film has been has been labeled like you know sort of like a Black Lives Matter thing and all that sort of stuff, and there. Okay, Martin Lawrence, and this is a bit of a jump. Talking going from Spike Lee to Martin Lawrence. I remember when I first came to the UK and Martin Lawrence films, we would watch them in Nigeria and we would love them mostly because we saw a black man on screen. It didn't matter. We, we didn't really look at what the what the quality of the film was like. And I remember getting over to the UK and, as I said, started reading like, you know, film publications and film reviews and all that. And they would lambast Martin Lawrence films and talk about them like they were the worst thing ever. Like they were just pieces of... You know, like there were pieces of insults to the celluloid in which they were printed. They, I used to, I used to sit down, I used to go, whoa, 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 what is the big deal? Why, why you don't get? And then I started putting, I was like, I think that there is something cultural in here. There's something cultural in here where there is something going on that that you might not have access to. And I know that that definitely happens with me with some things that everybody seems to love and I just don't get, like the UK office or Ricky Gervais in general. And <laughs> and oh and and I think that in here there might be something like that. It's a bit like how I said when I went to watch Get Out in the cinema, and I, I know and and I feel this is a bit unfair to bring to to take it in this direction because once I, especially in the current climate, the second I say, well, I think it might be a black thing, then it's kind of like you know bad form to say anything against that. So 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 but but. The, the, there were things where I was just I looking at it right I was looking at this thing and saying this is not a normal film because there's things in this film that are so blatantly done like you know when they talk about Chekhov's gun that if there's mm. a gun in the first act it's going to have to go off by the end of the third there's characters that they bring into the film and the second they bring the character into the film the character says one line you're like okay, I know what's going to happen later on. Like, they have, there's a certain character who is uh, the, the French woman, Sean. The second yeah, she I know show, the French woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the second she shows up and she starts talking, you're like, I know exactly what's going to happen when they go into the jungle. You know that's going to happen, you know? And there's even a bit where it goes, it gets to a point where, I know you mentioned, you mentioned Delroy Lindo's performance and how you said you didn't like it because it was too Fred Williamson. It was too kind of like, it was like it wasn't it was a parody. It, it was a parody. Parody, it, it, I think. It, I think you, a parody. You think, you think it is because you said it wasn't realistic. Now, the funny thing about this is, I have been on the streets in London and I've seen, um, I've seen black people walking along who obviously have some mental issues. I've seen it in Nigeria. I've seen it in America, and he had elements of those. He has Tozin. I'm I'm a well travelled person and I've seen elements of that as well yeah, everywhere yeah, I've been quite yeah, a lot. So yeah, you know, yeah, I mean yeah. I'm the yeah. same and I, I've seen people where they're going along talking to themselves and all that. Yeah, but that was yeah. just a total, total over the top parody of Fred Williamson I, in no, Dustle Dawn. I, and on that I have to disagree with you. I, that 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 I'll have to disagree with you. But I'm a, a green bit, beret. Yeah, be, there, and there's the bit where and he's the character who it's it's kind of he's he's weird he's a weird character because he's kind of like internalized all so everything that he says that comes up he's essentially this is a black man who was in the vietnam war at the, there's a point in vietnam war where martin luther king gets shot and he is the one who's saying we need to go kill some white people we need to go kill some white people right now 
But then you go to years later and he's walking around with a Make America Great Again hat. He, he wears a Make America Great Again hat for most of the film. And he is the one who says the most racist things in the film. He's the one who talks about, like, you know, the way he speaks to about Vietnamese people and all that sort of stuff. And what he says about, yeah, we need to build that wall. I mean, to get us make sense out of our country. He's he's a confused character. He's and he's he's the one that should he shows up with messed up in the head. He could might as well be wearing a t-shirt saying messed up in the head. And there's a bit towards the end of the film where it goes essentially it just totally breaks the fourth wall. He is talking directly to the camera, and it could as well be a letter to Donald Trump. It, it might as well be a letter to Donald Trump where he's speaking directly down the barrel of the camera, talking to it, and he ends up with a black power salute with his hand in it. And yeah, I'd, so essentially, I don't think it is a normal narrative film. I think it is a piece of performance art. And and I think like most pieces of performance art, whether it's Damien Hurst covering a skull in diamonds or whether it's Tracy Emin not leaving her bed for three months, it will rub people up the wrong way. <laughs> some people will like it. Uh, some people will find something true in it. And some people will think it's a piece of rubbish. And, and and I think that that's what Spike Lee has done here. Uh, I liked it. And I personally, and I would say this personally because I know you gave it a one. I personally would give it a four. So, <laughs> and that, but this is the great thing about, about, about it's It's all about opinions. It's about film opinions. You do not have to agree. You do not have to force anybody else to see things from your point of view. You can have your own opinion and you can say, you know what? I didn't like that, and I can look at it and go, "I did." So, was it? So, I know it's a film that's on Netflix. Was it a film that was made for Netflix, or where I don't know how much license a filmmaker gets when they make films for a network, rather than if they make it for cinematic release? Was it, it intended for a cinematic release? No, I think this was always made for Netflix. I think it was it was right. made for Netflix, so, and and Netflix have they they have this whole thing where. Netflix don't care if a film is good or bad, so they don't try and control what the what the final film is going to be like. What Netflix wants to do is that they want to get people to watch it. They want to get something that has interest because people have interest, yeah. and they, even if they sign up just because of the interest that this thing generates. So if they say much, uh, if they say Martin Scorsese is making a film, doesn't matter whether it's good or bad, people are going to watch that and film. It's three hours long. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. People are going to watch if, that if film. If it's something, where, if it's like a format where a filmmaker has license, then you are going to get these things where yeah. it becomes more of a passion project rather than a commercial project. Then. And, and say, and, okay, this is my this is what my passion is. So this is where I'm going to take this film, rather than thinking, okay, if I'm making this as a commercial film that I need to sell at cinemas, then I need to be a bit more tight about the narrative. So maybe sort of get the balance between the two. You can understand how being the format it's in, it gives scope for a filmmaker to just maybe be a bit more personal about yeah. the choices he makes in the films he's made. Yeah, and and uh, and, uh, and like I... this. And choices that you make, because you said, I think you referenced Sean when you saw it, that some of the actors, they play, they're the same actor who plays the mature man, and you yeah. see them in a scene as mature men, but with around, they're surrounded by younger men. Yeah, essentially. So that, I haven't seen the film, so that would tell me that they're saying, you know, we're taking the, this, we're still in this place. This is a place that was influential to me, and this had a big impact on me. And I'm still here in many yeah. ways. With, uh, and, and I'm surrounded by the ghosts of the past that so they haven't grown up, but obviously I have. I, and, and I so think I can see there's interesting things to say in there. Yeah, and, and I think that that is that's part of the when I say that he doesn't make any bones about trying to show you the fact that he is telling you something. He's not 
He's not trying to make a straightforward narrative. It's a bit like, um, you ever heard of Bertolt Brecht, the, the playwright? Baal, yes, I know. I've, I've been to see the stage, couple of stage shows of him, yeah. Yo, oh, David, Brecht. there was like, I saw about three productions of Baal because I really like it. Yeah. And, um, uh, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and with Brecht, it was this whole thing where he had this whole thing of, he wanted you to know you were watching a play. He did not want you to get immersed. He, whatever he did, he wanted you to know you are watching a play right now. This is not real. This is this is fake. This is a, and I've heard the term Brechtian used about this film, and I still don't know, I still don't entirely know what it means. But there's that whole thing about somebody has made something and they want you to know that they have made something. They're not trying to get it's you to. Not, they're, yeah. they're not. They're not trying to get you to escape into it or anything like that. But anyway. Let's okay. leave that. Let's leave that because I know that this is something that Sean and I will never agree. On. Never agree. <laughs> Just wait till I review it. Yes, I've got. I've got to no, wait. You'll love it. You'll probably. You'll probably yeah, go on. I can't no, wait. No, I, I can't have, wait for you to see it. You must see no, it, Sean. Uh, you must see it. To be it. honest That's with you, I don't know that if it's something that I will watch because, to be honest with you, I'm not that interested in films about about the American involvement in Vietnam. To be honest with you. Yeah. I think it's probably more complex than I've actually comprehended. So I don't know much about the history of the region. I don't know much about the history of what led to that conflict. And I know the consequences are there. They, they echo through time, don't they, since that conflict. So it's not a period of time that I'm particularly interested in. Yeah. So I thought I don't want to go into it and just go, are you going to entertain me when I don't know if it's necessarily a film about entertainment when it's it is, of, it some is, of the history and the period and the it, it the is it is definitely stuff. it's definitely not about entertaining. This film is this film is yeah. not concerned with entertaining you whatsoever. So, so I don't know so, that if I would go into it if I would if I would be going into it thinking I know yeah, I don't know if it would appeal to me on that basis that it's not a period that the subject that interests me particularly and would the content be enough to hold my interest? And yeah. so I, I've said, I don't want to just go in it and say, I watch it just to... You'll be, Sharon, you'll be, bored, you'll be bored after the first hour, mate. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, on the other hand, do not think you will be. <laughs> I, do, I do not think you will be. So it's all right. Now, um, now let us go to our interview let's go on to happier things and things that will not have sean and i at loggerheads i'm actually kind of glad we're doing this <laughs> remotely because this might this this might get personal but, <laughs> but yeah yeah yeah, it might do it might do <laughs> i hope personal. not it, sh it shouldn't it shouldn't do you're exactly right it shouldn't do but yeah, i think it's just that you know it's, I, I don't know yeah no you're exactly right Toast. you're right it shouldn't get personal but it, yeah. I, it feels it feels personal <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. I'm well, if there's something that you feel strongly about, you can understand how you know people do. I mean, there are films I absolutely detested um, that I know that other people have liked. Yeah. That I'm looking at their images now, and I have I have utterly detested some films, and so <laughs> I wouldn't give them. You know. Yeah, so we know we we know these these films do exist, don't we? This film these films do exist, and this is definitely going to be one of those. Anyway, yeah. so we're going to move on, we're going to move on to um our interview our interview with Juan Guillory. Now this is as I said this is the first time we have gone international with our. Uh, film buff interview and this is Juwan who is someone who I met in 2005 when we were both in LA and we were both uh, at something called the School of Campus Ministry training to be campus ministers for a church. Now in the years past well, well, this interview has been cut down from a much longer one so Juwan and I were on the phone for an hour and a half 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, we were the foot for an hour and a half. Uh, and it, part of it was kind of like, you know, we, we didn't really do much catching up. It was just talking about films and talking about what's happened in the last 15 years and what we've watched and all that stuff. So this is the bit where I've tried to just find the bits where we ask the four questions that we usually ask in the interviews, which is, what was the first thing you ever saw at the cinema? What was the last film you saw before the lockdown hit? Um, uh, uh, what are the other questions we ask? Um, why do you think What's the cinemas... last film you saw? What's the first film you saw? Yeah. Well, why is cinema such a big deal? And the final thing is, what are you most looking forward to seeing when the cinemas reopen? And Juwan went off on a whole thing. And the things that I've cut out of this interview are a lot. Number one, I cut out the bit where he talked about um, how he went to the Oscars. So he Ooh. he randomly dropped into the into the because he's like yeah I've been to the Oscars a couple of times and he was telling me the story of what actually happens at the Oscars and what goes on backstage. He was like I was at the Oscars the year that Alec Baldwin and Steve Martin hosted it. I was at the Oscars the year all this. But I'll tell you afterwards all the things that we cut out, which we shall put into the, its own special interview thing because Excellent. I think he works in TV in America. He's worked in film in America and he has interesting insights. But anyway, here is Juwan and here uh, yeah. Enjoy. So congratulations, Mr. Guillory. You are our film buff for this week. Uh, I'm honored. I'm honored to be the film buff. I don't know if I would call myself a film buff. I am a film fan. I'm a movie fan. I love going to the movies, always have. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm obsessed with movies. That's what I do in my free time is watch stuff. <laughs> watch <laughs> movies, watch television, watch streaming content. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah, and even just before we actually came on, you were reminding me about the fact that we both went to see we we went to see Star Wars: Revenge of the Sith together, and I gave probably one of the hastiest reviews I've ever given in my life of when, oh, I, when I watched that film because I remember we went. I'll to never see it forget in, it. I remember we went to see that in L.A. together. Didn't we? Oh. Gosh, I'll never forget it. I think about it often. Actually, every time... Because I, I have... I, 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 this is 100% true. I have uh, Disney Plus. And yes. every once in a while, I'll say, you know, what do, do I, I want to watch some Star Wars, something Star Wars? Which now, I think the Clone uh, Wars cartoon is probably the best option. But yeah. I decide, you know, like every once in a while, oh, let me go ahead and watch... Um, I called it a cartoon, the animated series. But let me go ahead and watch something from the prequels. And every time I see Revenge of the Sith, I'm like, man, I remember seeing that in the theater and Tosin came up and he was like, what do you think? And I paused because I had mixed feelings and you just right away said, I think he nailed it. <laughs> you know, okay. Uh, now, uh, the truth is, uh, uh, I'd, you were being kind to me because I would go as far as I remember the conversation con continued and I said, I think that that might be the best one so far. I think I was a bit heady because I remember being really, really nonplussed by the clo or by the attack of the clones. I remember watching that and going, just feeling nothing after watching that film. And the fact that they came up with a film that at least made me feel something. I was like, I think I was just sort of like, you know, I was high on relief <laughs> or something at that time. Although I have said this because I've had conversations about that film and it happened a, a while back when I was relating the story of what happens in Revenge of the Sith to somebody else. And when, as I was relating the story, I was like, hang on a second. They, these are the bones of a great story. Why doesn't it work? <laughs> Why doesn't it work? You know, it, you know, so much is in the execution, right? Yeah. It's like, we, 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 you and I could be telling the same story, and one of us tells that same story so much better. 
Yeah. And, you know, but I think also there's a lot of uh, politics and there's the Senate meetings and there's just a lot of lull in the Revenge of the Sith before you really kind of get down to brass tacks. And I think, you know, as a Star Wars fan, you the excitement with the prequels was like, I get to see Anakin Skywalker be Anakin Skywalker, right? And I get yeah. to see Darth Vader. And you, you're thinking you're going to see him at his best, right? And you don't really get that in the prequels you get it in the clone war wars animated series yeah i think i think they do such a great job with the relationship between obi-wan and anakin skywalker and you do get to spend a lot of time with anakin skywalker kind of at his peak um as a jedi right yeah. and, and as a military leader um but that's completely missing from the prequel movies the live action movies where you kind of just get people like referring to him being great in those ways or kind of referring to him being emotional it's, it's, and it's, it's, or something. it's the whole is the whole show don't tell and they just told you and yeah they, you. they just kind of told you and you see these like little flash moments of like action but i think to to, to your defense the revenge of the sith movie gives you the best anakin action Yes. Uh, with the the lightsaber duel between him and Obi Wan. Out of all the prequels, that actually kind of gives you Anakin Skywalker fighting in that lightsaber duel, looking pretty awesome for the first like, you know, thirty seconds, and yeah. then it kind of deteriorates, in my yeah. opinion. But like, the, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I that, agree. that first <laughs> I, I, part. I, I, is, I remember is epic. even even in my even in my sort of like you know relief fueled euphoria after watching that film, I do remember thinking that 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 final fight was a bit of a letdown. Because I've I've only yeah. ever seen the film through once, and that was the time I watched it with you. Then after that, I went and watched the original, the original. And I went, oh no, these these are better. So, so, <laughs> so it's, but but I have to think it's order. Is it order sixty six or order ninety nine? That whole sequence that they they execute in the Revenge of the Sith. I still think that that's a very very good sequence. In it, it is a good sequence. I think that it's that's a pretty good sequence. I think that that's that's a, a really really well executed sequence. Oh, but it it does seem that now um, nowadays Star Wars is best out of the hands of George Lucas, unfortunately, and um and JJ Abrams. But but anyway, gosh Almighty man, I could go. <laughs> I could spend two hours just going in on Star Wars, but the, honestly, I let it be. The, honestly, I've actually I've banned myself from talking about this about the about episode nine on the podcast because we've had a couple of interviews where somebody has mentioned you know one of the questions we will be asking is what the last one we saw in cinema before covid hit was oh my gosh and some people have said episode nine and i've ended up going off on one (laughs) so so i've pretty much banned myself i'm like okay cool i am not allowed to talk about I'm not allowed to talk about um, episode nine. I'm not allowed to talk about Batman versus Superman, and I'm not allowed to talk about Artemis Fowl. Those, those okay, fair <laughs> enough. Those, fair enough. Because it would just it would be an hour of me ranting. <laughs> just yeah, no. that that's that's how I feel. I feel like the Star Wars conversation is a trap because I would spend two hours ranting, uh, and it probably still wouldn't be done. Yeah, yeah. Just no. You cannot cannot get to the bottom of that thing. I I think my my thing now is they should have stopped at the, they should have stopped in 1983. They should have just stopped and said forget about it. No more films. <laughs> so now the questions that we have that we te- that we ask people because of course this is a, it's a bit of a celebration of cinema. It's like kind of like obviously Netflix is cinema. We call it the cinematic bo- boxing match. Cinema's out for the count. It's down on the but we're going to talk about why we love it and we're going to celebrate it until it comes back 
That is that's that's the, right. That's the whole idea about it. So to do that, we're asking people, and the first question we ask them is, "What was the first film you ever saw in a cinema?" Ha! The first film I ever saw in a cinema was Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh that was my the first God. movie. <laughs> we that can't escape first, it. <laughs> that was the first film I ever saw. And I'm telling you, I remember it. It's my earliest memory. Um, I was I was maybe like one years old. Really? I remember it. Yeah. yeah. Because I was thinking that I was I was thinking about I was like Hangover Return of the Jedi. If you saw that in the cinema, that was like nineteen eighty three and let's see, I was three. Yeah. So I don't remember anything yeah. from when I was three. <laughs> that was I must have been yeah, maybe two. Maybe I was two years old, but yeah. I, I remember it. I remember being there. And uh yeah, I remember so many movies going to the movies, see so many movies as a kid. I saw Dune in the oh, theater yeah. as like a young kid, but my my parents took me out. They, I was with my aunt, and we that's who I used to go see a lot of movies with. I used to go with my, my aunt, and we uh, she we started watching Dune, which I think in her mind was going to be very close to Star Wars, and it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a little like I think in her mind a little too uh, like graphic. And uh, violent. So then she, she, I remember her walking me out of the theater. Uh, so, so we we didn't finish watching Dune, but uh, Star Wars, Re- Return of the Jedi was my first movie. Oh wow! And, and so and so, okay, you watch Return of the Jedi around about when you're two or something. Mm-hmm. And was that the moment where you thought this is amazing? I want to do it again, or did that come later in life? I don't know if I had this like as sophisticated of a thought as like, Oh, this is amazing. I want to be a part of this, you know, at two years old. Yeah. But I just remembered like the amazement. Like I was just so amazed, which I'm going to tie it back to a, a, another story. Cause my son, I can't remember how old he was. When did, when did force awakens come out? Force awakens. Oh, good Lord. Oh, that must've been like 2015 or something. Okay. So 2015. So he was probably like four years old. Yeah. Um, and I took him to go see the force awakens. And he didn't say anything the entire movie. He wasn't a big Star Wars fan. He, you know, this is more about me going to see it again. And he, uh, <laughs> he, 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 the movie ends and he just looks up to me and he goes, that was awesome. You know, he was silent the entire time. He just looks up and goes, that was awesome. And I felt like that really echoed my feeling or mirrored my feeling when I was probably like two years old yeah. and I had seen Return of the Jedi. I just remember it being just awesome. And I remember Ewoks and, green lightsabers and lasers and and so much so that i remember my next thought about star wars was being at my aunt's boyfriend's apartment and he put on vhs i think it was uh the empire strikes back yeah and i saw luke you know turn on his lightsaber and it was blue and i told him i remember saying to them i was like oh the color on your television is wrong (laughs) And they were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, your co- the color on your TV is wrong because his lightsaber is that wrong color. His lightsaber is green and it's showing up as blue on your uh, television. And they they tried to fiddle with it. I mean, I just they couldn't understand why I was so bothered by it. But it was because I had, I had seen Re- uh, Return of the Jedi first. That was my baptism in Star Wars. I took that as, you know, truth, absolute truth. And then when we saw Return of the Jedi, I was completely thrown off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Awesome. When we saw when we saw Empire Strikes Back, I was completely thrown off. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That is awesome. I love that. I absolutely love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. 
Uh, or okay, cool. So, so that so with that, that be the first vote that you saw. Um, do you do you remember what happened when you actually got to the point where you could actually get more choice over what you went to see in the cinemas? Ooh, I took the recommendation of my aunt most of the time. I, I sometimes I, I remember I have a couple of stories about going to movies with her because it's, it's so so much of what I remember uh, being a kid. But uh, I remember not picking a certain movie and saying, "Hey, I want to go see this." Maybe Rocky Five. I specifically remember saying, "Like I want to go see this," you know, Rocky Five, and she took me. But I remember wanting to just go to the movies. Yeah, and she took me to go see Home Alone. We just picked it. I remember because back then you had a newspaper. You'd have to look and see. You know, you look for the movie times in the newspaper. And yeah. We saw like you know, and she was like, "Okay, this must be a, a kids' movie or whatever." She maybe read something and she was like, "Okay, let's go see it." But we went into it with no expectations. You know, it wasn't like we had seen the trailers for Home Alone and we were dying to go see that movie. We just went to go see Home Alone because it was what was available. Yeah, and um, it, we we just we left in pain because we had been laughing so hard and we loved <laughs> that movie. Uh, you know, I don't know if it holds up, but at the time, back in you know whenever that was, uh, nineteen. I don't even remember when Home Alone came out. Late, but late eighties, late eighties, yeah. Late eighties, yeah. I mean, it was hilarious. And then our our uh, current president had a cameo. Oh, that was Home Alone too. That was Home Alone too. Yeah, had he had a cameo. cameo yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He had a cameo, but no, the first one was just. Uh, uh, hilarious it was uh, just a surprise hit for us so uh, I remember that one I remember asking to go see Who Framed Roger Rabbit oh yeah uh, I asked I asked my other aunt I had two uh, to go take me she took me she fell asleep in Who Framed Roger Rabbit but I <laughs> but I remember that movie um, and uh, <laughs> yeah Who Framed Roger Rabbit and then I remember going to see Ghostbusters Ooh. Um, in the theater uh, with my aunt and uh I remember that vividly and really loving that experience as well. Yeah. And that's a movie I, over time, I grew to appreciate more and more and more. I think I appreciate the original Ghostbusters more every single time I see it. Yeah. But let's, let's jump forward. Let's jump forward loads of years from happy times to maybe not so happy times. What was the last <laughs> film that you saw in cinemas that you caught before COVID hit, before a lockdown came in and cinemas had to disappear for a while? Oh my gosh. My hero, uh, my hero Academia. I think. Uh, do you know that that anime series? I uh, thing is, I heard about this, and I know people were talking about it. Well, it was probably about a week before lockdown hit over here that everybody was talking about mm-hmm. My Hero Academia. It did not have a wide release. The it wasn't everywhere, but no. Yes, my son's a big fan of that series, so I took him to go see that movie. And it's very difficult for me to remember. Oh, maybe, gosh, it's very hard for me to remember what I saw before that. But that was definitely the last movie I saw before COVID. It was literally like the next couple days, I think, is when uh, we got put on like a shelter-in-place order here in New York. But but I was trying to think about even a better movie, though, that I had seen. (laughs) Like, I mean, it was a good movie. Don't get me wrong. It was a good movie. Um, But one, one that... One that people would would, um, you know, have other people have seen. I'm trying to think of what's no, the no, no, no. It's it's, other... it's, it's a, because this is the thing about it. It's it's luck of the draw, and it's it's the fact that we because oh, obviously... I know what it is. Oh uh, yeah, I know what it is. Okay, so I to answer your question, last movie I saw was the My Hero Academia movie. Yes, the the one that, the last one that just came out. Yes, uh, but the movie I'd seen 
prior to that that I saw many times in the theater actually was the Joker. So uh, you can pick which one you want to go into, but those are my okay, two. Okay, okay, because because um uh my hero academia uh, has my my hero academia is it academia or academica? Mia, in my okay, so my hero academia. So because that actually has the proper place. So was that any good? Did you enjoy it? Was it just something for your son or was it like something that you actually enjoyed as well? I enjoyed it as well, but I almost feel silly talking about it on like a proper movie, you know, <laughs> podcast about this anime film that was dubbed in English that we watched. Uh, that's uh, definitely targeted to probably teenagers. Okay. Uh, if, if I'm going to, okay, let me try and make you feel better because I was saying that one of the things we love about this is that it's a lock of the draw and it's not as if you, you, we didn't get a chance to sort of figure out like, Ooh, lockdown's about to happen or for you guys shelter in place is about to happen. Exactly. So let me that make sure that the last film I see, maybe the last one I'll see in 2020, let's make sure it's a good one. Let me make sure I go see Parasite or something like that. And it's you, because my final film that I got to see was Fantasy Island, which was the, um, the Bloomhouse. Oh film. man. Yeah. 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 The Bloomhouse one. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. God, God, that was rubbish. Um, <laughs> we we have considered streaming it from home, you know, buying it video on demand on home several times and have skipped over it many times. But don't waste you know, your money. It, yeah, <laughs> don't do it, it looks real. It's, it looks very shiny. It looks very 4K and, and uh, pretty and saturated. Yes, um, yes, <laughs> it, 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 it is all those things, and then you will realize that. They used all that 4K and wasted it because there is there are leaps of logic that will leave yeah. you. I mean, I mean nowadays my hair is receding anyway, but will leave you tearing whatever hair you have left out. Out, <laughs> yeah. You're like, what? I hate how that. Do, how do, that doesn't make any. What? How? How would? No, no. Yeah, no. Now I love a good horror movie. I love a good horror movie. I love them, love them. I can I can name you my favorites, but. I, to going back to your original question, my hero academia. If, if I were to leave listeners with anything from this, my experience seeing that movie was that the animation, in my opinion, was gorgeous. Especially the last maybe fifteen minutes of the movie, where there's like this, you know, the climax, this big battle starts to happen. Yeah, it was unbelievable. Oh my gosh, it was beautiful animation. The action was stunning. Um, so well done. When it comes out for home video, I'm gonna buy it. Oh, just nice. simply because the animation was so good. Um, so I really liked it. And the story was great too. It was a very solid. If you're if you're a fan of that franchise um, and that anime series, then it's an essential movie. I think it's the best movie so far. Do you, oh good lord, they have lo- more. They have more. Than- <laughs> yeah, they have like I think two other movies or at least one. I know they have at least one other movie. This is totally um, passing by. Yeah. So, so I saw the other movie. So would, I've seen would do you one. have to know what's going on in the show before you can actually to follow this? You will appreciate it a million times more if you know what's going on. The the primary character, Midoriya, um, Deku, you know, is his nickname. Uh, His journey and like where he's at and his development and all that is such a big piece of it. Yeah. um, That you you could jump into the movie and just enjoy it for what it is, like the superhero action movie. But if you go through that story, um, that that. evolution of that character his development you'll you'll come into it with a lot more appreciation okay now 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 we're getting into something with anime that worries me a bit um it's a bit like for instance there's a tv show called bleach that i refuse yeah i love 
I watched Bleach, all of it. I refuse to watch Bleach because there's way too many episodes and like it, 400 episodes or something uh, like yeah, that. Yeah, something like, like that. And it's there is it's uh, I, I think it might have ended now, but I remember thinking a couple of years ago, there is no end. They're going to keep making this thing. I want to watch something that I know has an end. And I don't No, I agree with you. It should have ended. It should have ended after that uh was it the Ankar uh, arc? I don't know, but where uh the main character um Oh, what's his name? Ichigo. Ichigo Kurosaki. Uh, when he loses his powers, like that's that should be the end of the series, right there. Yeah, I, I, I just, I, I just, I just know. I want to have, wonder what something has an end. And we were talking earlier about how sometimes in America, and you know it from being on the inside when it comes to an American TV show, that as long as people are watching, they will not end it. They will keep going and keep going and keep going until yeah. there's 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 and- a phrase in England: flogging a dead horse. That they'll get to the point where the horse is totally dead and then they'll be like, okay fine we can stop now <laughs> yeah yeah i think that that's you know well i think there's a comparison there with between anime and like you know like western kind of uh comic book superheroes because like batman stories are never going to end right we're gonna keep no, getting batman, batman stories forever and i think some of these characters to me at least feel like batman you know they're like you know ichigo is a essentially a superhero in in a lot of ways and you just want to hear more ichigo stories like more superhero stories about him fighting um uh demons you know? yes yes <laughs> which which just seems like well, like 90 percent of anime are, is people fighting demons but yeah. yes yeah uh, or okay so so the question i was actually going to ask was going to be that with is my hero academia like that is it never ending well, he tells you at the beginning of the series when you're watching the intro that this is a story how I became the world's greatest superhero. He says this is a story how I became the number one superhero. So I, in my mind, that has to be the end of the story, right? Wherever, whenever the point is where he is established as like the world's greatest, then that's the end of the story because that's he's already said this to us in the beginning. Like this is what the story it's about. It's about my journey to becoming the greatest superhero. Oh, you know they're going to come up with something. It's going to be like Dragon Ball. They're going to come up with something where they're going to be like, "Yes, I am the greatest superhero." Oh, guess I only thought I was the greatest superhero. There is someone who is greater. I must train again for another seven years to become. I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. You know, things. You're right. Things do need to end. It's sad when they do. I hate some of my favorite series when they end. Like, you know, it makes you so sad. But at the same time, they have. It has to happen, or. What's the point? You know, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't stay. It, I think the fact that it ends helps it be special, right? Like, yes. You know, a series like that I love to death, like The Office, like it had to end. And if it didn't end, if it was still going on today, would it still be special to people? I don't think so. I don't think it would. As you said, everything has to end. We should probably come to an end at some point with this. So, why do you love going to the cinema? Like, what do you? What do you? Why cinema? What do you? Why do you think it's a thing? You absolutely cannot have the cinematic experience at home. You just can't. Unless you have a home theater that is gigantic with a massive screen and a Dolby sound system that is, you know, at the quality of what's in some of our better theaters, you just don't, the impact of that story is not the same. I'll give you an example. I saw... um, Mad Max Fury Road uh, in 3D at the Chinese Theater 
Grauman's Chinese Theater. Yeah, yeah. Grauman's, which now is TCL, I think Chinese Theater. Okay, cool. Um, And it was just mind blowing in that environment. That movie, with its action, with the the sound design that's in that movie, uh, in 3D, in that amazing theater. I mean, had people cheering and clapping at the end of sequences, right? Like just roaring, like claps, you know, applause, you know, yeah. uh, at the end of these like big action sequences, like the tornado and some of the things with the, with the pole boys, the guys who were like swinging yeah, yeah, on the yeah. poles and all that stuff. And you, at home, you could watch it. You'd be like, Oh, that's cool. You're not going to get that same energy of the crowd and of like, even the presentation that, 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 that movie was shot for, you know, uh, at home. Um, there's other movies that I feel were that way as well. Like, um, uh, um, uh, force awakens. I still have seen force awakens at home. I saw force awakens, uh, also at the Chinese theater. Um, it was incredible on that massive screen, you know, um, it was incredible seeing it that way. The Joker, um, did I see, was it in the IMAX? They released that in a long, I can't remember, but I saw the Joker here in New York. Um, every time I saw it was here in New York and different theaters. And, uh, the cinematography in that movie, I think you just have a better appreciation for it when it's on a massive screen. Mm-hmm. And it's just an immersive experience in a pitch black room where, um, you know, the the actual art that the cinematographer is is trying to present to you yeah. can be full, fully realized. Um, you don't get it at its fullness when you're watching it at home. I don't care how good your TV is. You're not going to you're not going to be able to to have it's not going to impact you the same way just the same way as listening to an album versus like maybe being you know front row live at the concert you yeah. know um there is an, your brain just connects to the uh, the 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 collective energy of the audience but also you know the the lo- the decibel level of the um of the sound you know and the, and the brightness of the screen um, in contrast to the blackness of the box that you're in when you're watching it, um, all of those things, you know, I think matter. And if we still go to the movies, you know, movies are art, uh, but they're also, you know, entertainment. They they don't contradict each other. Those things work hand to hand. Yeah. Uh, but if you really want to appreciate the art that's happening in some of these films, right, from at least a visual and sound engineering, sound design perspective, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you have to, you have to go to the theater for it. That is pretty comprehensive. <laughs> it's cool. Good stuff. Okay, now and now we're going to a final cinema question. So what okay. are you most looking forward to seeing in cinemas when they finally reopen? Tenet. <laughs> straight, Tenet. Straight straight out of the gate. Straight out of the gate. That's it. That's out it. Of, out of the gate, that's my number one. I think it's out of so there's a couple of movies coming up. Tenet's coming up, right? At some point, they'll release that. Um, Wonder Woman, 1980, whatever the, the, the rest of that title is. Yeah, Woman. 1984. Wonder Woman, 1984 is coming. Um, Black Widow movies coming, mm-hmm. uh, and Maverick is coming. So those are the ones that are like on my radar. Yeah. Um, Top Gun Maverick. So uh, the two that I want to see the most are Tenet and Top Gun Maverick. Like those are my two that I really want to go see in the theater. Um, I think Tenet is going to be really good. I mean, I feel like Christopher Nolan really delivers. I can't think of a bad movie he's ever made, you know, I, 
in my opinion, I can't think of a bad movie he's ever made. They've all been either good or excellent. (laughs) So, so, you know, I, I, you know, I feel like he's a safe bet. And then Top Gun Maverick. I love Top Gun. One of my favorite movies, probably my top out of top 15 favorite movies. Top Gun is in that top 15 somewhere. Yeah. Um, And uh, I love that character, Pete Mitchell, Maverick. Cannot wait to see that movie. But uh, Tenet. I'm, I'm I'm super into you know getting there for time. Oh, all right. What about you though? I'd love to hear from you though. What 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 are uh, what are the, the the movies that you want to see right away when theaters open? Well, I think what am I looking forward to seeing? I mean, Tenet. I think Christopher Nolan. I always think the stuff he does. I mean, from a technical point of view, yes, it's excellent. I think it's at least what he does is interesting. Like, for instance, The Dark Knight Rises, I don't think it's the best film of the Batman trilogy that he did, but I think it's... Not at all. But I think it's interesting. I think that there's some very, very interesting ideas and what he tries to do in a superhero movie, I think it's really... It's it's kind of like... It's the kind of thing that will sit down and rub my chin a lot. So I'll be like, oh, yeah, I see what he's doing there. Uh, might not be enjoying it in a traditional sense, but yeah, that's, that's quite interesting. But... Um, but I think I hate to be a cliche, but honestly, I just want to see what Marvel are going to do next. I want to see how how Marvel follow on from what they've done over the last ten years, which I think is amazing. I think has never been done in the history of cinema and might never be done again. I I am just so interested to see how those guys follow it up. Um, as much as that might make me a cliche, and oh no, no, I agree. I agree. That's 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 exciting. And they have some things in their back pocket that they can use to really like spike interest if they they choose to. So yeah, um, yeah. And and because I know that over the last ten years, every time Marvel released a film, I was you know how it is in the comics that in the comics things go big and they go big and they go crazy and it just it becomes just so unwieldy that the only thing they can do is burn it down to the ground and start again. And they, they right. Do, they, and every time they released a Marvel movie, I remember just going in there going, oh, this might be the point. This might be the point where it all gets messed up. This might be the point where it, beca- it becomes so big and it begins to eat itself. And I would walk out of the film going, oh, my God, they didn't mess it up. It doesn't start eating itself. No. Oh, my. I can't believe that. I can't believe they're sustaining this. And so by the time it got to, I remember by the time it got to Endgame, I was like, I don't even care if Endgame's rubbish. These guys have earned the right to do some nonsense. Because what they have done over the last 10 years, I remember even using the term, they're looking after my childhood. <laughs> they are. They did a great job. It was unreal. It, it is it's crazy. It's crazy. He's a legend. He's, he's a living legend now. Yeah, no, I, I honestly say, I, mean, I remember walking out of Endgame and just going, I think eventually they're going to study this guy the same way people study Steve Jobs. The way people talk about Steve Jobs, they're going to talk about because what he has managed to pull together is crazy. <laughs> it's, it's amazing crazy. and yes yes he is pretty, pretty good stuff you know i'm looking at the clock and i am aware that i've kept you on here for an hour and a half so- <laughs> <laughs> good time good catch up tosin it's great it's great and thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for answering some of those questions in amongst other things and thank you for all the backstage stuff as to what actually happens at the oscars this is this is i think this is gonna have to be its own special it's own during Guillory <laughs> special episode. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back anytime to clean any of that up because I know you have your your work cut out for you having to like edit this to something that makes sense. So, oh no, don't worry, don't worry. If you listen to any other episodes of the podcast, you realize that we're not that big on things that make sense. So, okay. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Thanks so much. I'll chat to you later.
Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. And thank you once more, Joanne, for being the vi- oh the victim. I keep wanting to say victim on uh Netflix. <laughs> the <laughs> victim. Yeah, you can't call them victims toes. Nobody else would want to go. But yeah, but if you would like to come on, if you feel, if you want to be a film buff and you want to come on, I mean almost every time we do one of these interviews, we people always say, Oh, I don't know, I don't know if I can say anything. But trust me, you can keep talking and I will have to edit that I'll have to edit it down to something so that our, our podcast doesn't end up being three hours. What did you guys think of Juwan? What did anything that he said that piqued interest with you? Um I guess I, I I would assume he's probably the same age as you, is he? If you went places and that, I should think so. Around about the same age, yeah. That yeah, I was going to say because I mean it's it's funny that you can tell an era really because I mean like some of the films that are mentioned like Ghostbusters and yeah, I mean Empire Strikes Back, all those sort of movies, you know. And uh, um, so yeah, it's but I mean it sounds really really knowledgeable and uh, really well read, I think. Um, so really knows his stuff um yeah i don't know sharon what did you what did you think interesting how how i don't know if you would say how influential it was but how frequently he does reference star wars and i know it seems to be that from obviously that star wars the first film later called a new hope but it was just a star wars when i went to see it. it was one of the first films i saw at the cinema and i know that for people it did have an impact and it has sort of that impact has resonated. It maybe have diminished slightly as the series has gone on where yes, definitely. the later films have maybe not had quite such an impact on this youngest generation. But I think for people who caught the original trilogy and then the beginning of the second trilogy, if you'd like to break it down that way, I think it has, it did shape a lot of people's filmmaking appreciation from like a really early age. Yeah. I think in a way that I don't think many other films have. I don't know if you could say Gen- Children of Today, the first time they see like a Marvel film at the cinema, how that would have such an impact. But I think Star Wars, we've certainly seen it. It's been referenced so many times through our interviews. Yeah, that yes. It has this impact on people who saw it for the first time and went, whoa, what's that I'm watching? And he was, Joanne was saying he was, what, four, two or three when he saw it at the cinema? Yes, yes, he was, yeah. When I was seven when I saw Star Wars at the cinema, seven or eight, thereabouts. So that was quite young. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm thinking, I don't think I'd remember anything from when I was two or three. Yeah, yeah I know. It must I, I, have I was, had an impact on him. I was quite shocked about that because he saw Return of the Jedi. And I love the story that he tells about seeing Empire, Empire, <laughs> no, seeing Empire Strikes Back at his uncle, at his aunt's. A boyfriend's house. Yes, you got the wrong color lightsaber. The, right, <laughs> the, the lightsaber's the wrong color. He was like, "There's something wrong with your TV. The lightsaber's the wrong color." <laughs> I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely love that. Absolutely love that. That's but, the thing that children go. They do know about. They're like, and if they draw a picture, they get the lightsaber the right color. Yeah, it's some. It's one of the things that, especially little boys, they're like, "No, you got to have this color for Darth Vader and this color for Luke. It's yeah, got to yeah. be. There's no but, messing with it." I, I, guess I was I'm... interested, yeah, how how often it came back to Star Wars. I was like, okay, yeah. that's, yeah. It's, it has, that, that has an impact. Yeah, yeah after after I, I, I try and try and get away from Star Wars, we keep ending up back there. So... Come back there. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, other things that we spoke about that we did have time for is like, you know, him going to the Oscars, what he'd seen at the Oscars, the three times he'd been to the Oscars. And also, he got to go to the Governor's Ball. He is part of the Producers Guild of America, 
So he, we, we spoke a little about like screeners that he gets and all that. There was more Star Wars chat. There was comparison of the UK and the US office. Um, what works on the big screen versus what works on the small screen. His work history in America, going all the way from working on The Bachelor to working on Friday Night Lights, which is like an American TV, American football TV show. Um, uh, at, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, Sean, Ooh. Sean, yeah, yeah. It's, 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 did, did, did you ever see Friday Night Lights, Sean? Uh, I saw a couple of episodes. I never saw the the whole thing, but um, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I know that was. Oh, so what? What he's in that? No, no, he's not in it. He worked on it. I oh. think that was that oh, was his first job right. because that was filmed in Texas, and he's originally from Texas. And so I think his oh, first job wow. was that he started working on Friday Night Lights, and he ended up going to LA and working on The Bachelor and all that. There's a bit where we talk about the Fast and the Furious. So Sean, you might want to skip that bit when we release the full it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you you want to skip that bit. And uh, we have. I'm, a, a I'm bit... just a grumpy old man, and a grumpy old man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, we're talking about where we grow up. Certain things affect us certain ways. There's some things that I'm pretty grumpy about myself. And it's yeah. uh, like, like when I was talking about, I think I go a bit grumpy on the, on the thing when I was talking about TV shows that never end. And that will bring the grumpy old man out of me. Where I'll be like, <laughs> where is the end of this thing? Why has it been on TV for 20 years? There is no end. How can you not get to an end in 20 years? <laughs> God, that, will, that, will, that will extract the grumpy old man out of me when, when I'm talking about that kind of stuff. And we have a bit of philosophical discussion as to whether YouTube stars, because we're talking all about the way film is going and how now it is just going to want things that are just going to bring people into the cinema. And things like the rom-com, as, we, as we've mentioned, are... Yeah. Are not going to be in the cinema anymore. And we talk about if it's all about getting people into the cinema, will will YouTube stars ever sell more movie ever sell movie tickets? Like because someone has a big following on social media, will they ever translate into film? So there's a huge, long range in discussion that I have with Juwan. Which, if you want to, I find it absolutely fascinating. I know that not everybody will, but I find it absolutely fascinating. We will make available as a special interview spe- interview show. So you can just listen to the one and a half hours of us just talking about yep. stuff. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, cool. So I think that I is was interested it. though, for the first time, there's just one thing I was going to mention there because in his films he's looking forward to, we had one that was mentioned for the first time, um, Top Gun Maverick. That's the yes. first time that has appeared on the I'm looking forward to this. Thanks. thanks. So yes. I know it's really... So it's, I think if you're of an age, they were in Top Gun was like, yeah, let's fly planes and shoot things. Then I think Top Gun Maverick will probably spark something in you. Yes. Um, but this is the first, I was interested though, that's the first time that it's been mentioned in our, this is what I'm looking forward to. Yes, yes, yes. I, I agree with you on that. Because Top Gun is another one of those films that I don't, I, I think might be overrated. <laughs> I agree with you on that one, Toes. I agree with you uh, on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> we agree. Uh, we agree I, I, together, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Top Gun might be overrated. Uh, as a film, anyway. As a moment in popular culture, maybe not. But as a film, I think it might be overrated. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. Um, uh, play, well, send your harshly worded tweets to at Netflix VS Cinema or to find us on <laughs> Facebook to tell us exactly how we do not know what we're talking about. And um, yeah, um, all, all I can hope is that it's it's a lot less personal than Sean and Mai's The Five Bloods talk. <laughs> but but um, uh, so 
yes as i said if you want to be on this if you want to be a next film buff and you want to talk about it i think we've actually come to the end of all of the interviews that i have already recorded so if you want to be a next film buff please do get in touch at netflix via cinema on twitter or netflix via cinema on on facebook and just say oh yep this is what it is. these are the four questions this is what i'd like to talk about and we will see if we can get you on the show all right that is it until next week in which i shall be attempting to watch only things that sean and i can agree on <laughs> it's, it's a goodbye from me it's a goodbye for me and it's a goodbye from me <laughs> see you guys bye